This ad-free podcast is part of your Slate Plus membership. Lucky you. Hello and welcome to this mini episode of Big Mood, Little Mood. I'm your host, Danny M. Lavery, and this show is for you, our Plus subscribers. Our guest this week is Miles Klee, a senior staff writer for Mel Magazine, as well as author of the novel Ivyland and a collection of stories, True False. Here we are reading a letter from a listener. I wonder if you would read us our last letter, which I have been, I think, maybe the most excited about because... Uh, you know, you you have such relevant experience, and I almost never get a chance uh, <laughs> to defer to somebody else on thruple questions. All right. The subject is stuck in the middle. I'm in a thruple with two wonderful people. We're all moving in together soon, and mostly I'm very excited about that. But my partners talk about each other negatively to me pretty often, and I'm concerned about it. Usually when I'm alone with one of them, they'll say something the other does that annoys them. These remarks range from fairly benign, I'm so sick of that new pop song partner A keeps playing, to pretty serious. I hate that partner B chews with their mouth open. It's so rude and I wish they would stop. They both do this with the same frequency. I'm sensitive to the idea of talking about people behind their back. I know my partners love each other and that everyone needs to vent sometimes, but I don't want to hear these complaints. I also feel like I'm being expected to keep secrets. I usually encourage them to speak directly to each other about their problem, especially if it's a non-trivial one, but they only do about half of the time. I'm the most introverted of the three and have always preferred to process things quietly on my own before communicating directly. I am also the least likely of the three to be annoyed with my partner's habits. A few months back, I asked each of my partners not to speak negatively about the other one to me. This boundary turned out to be very hard to maintain largely because it was hard for me to clearly define the line between benign statements of annoyance and serious issues that I would rather not hear about. I care about my partners and want them to be able to talk to me about important matters in our relationship. I just don't want to feel like I'm keeping secrets or stuck in the middle so often. How much of this type of comment should I tolerate? How much talking behind a partner's back is normal? And when does it become a red flag? Do you have any suggestions for setting a clearer boundary? What, what's your just like immediate reaction to this one? Uh, don't move in. (laughs) So it strikes you as like a substantial problem. I think that it is the kind of problem that becomes like markedly more intense. Like if you're all living under the same roof and the way it's described, the way the letter writers describe this, they become, they've become this repository for like all this negative junk that the other partners aren't willing to kind of work out between each other. And so they're like, I don't know, they already have this sort of mediation without mediation role where they're expected to sort of like, I don't know, filter this stuff through and maybe in some semi-conscious way, like influence the other persons to, to stop chewing with their mouth open. Like, is that, is that what's being suggested here? Like that, that's the feeling I'm getting from the description of these things, which is like, um, I'm not going to say that, you know, partner A really pisses me off when they do this, but I'm telling you, and then maybe you're going to be on my side. And then it'll be like, you know, we kind of team up to make them stop doing that. And that's, uh, that's really complicated. And I agree that I would not want to feel like this. And I just think that sharing a living space is 
kind of only going to exacerbate that because that's when you start to really, I mean, if you think, if you think you notice people's little annoying habits now, um, (laughs) wait till you're sharing a bathroom or whatever. Like it's, it feels like it could just get a lot worse is my, is my instinct. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't want to like suggest that, uh, you should only move in with a partner or partners if everything is going like beautifully. But I, I think two things put me in that same camp of like, if it is at all possible to pump the brakes on moving in together, pump the brakes, which doesn't mean you can't ever do it. Just say like, hey, I actually think we need to address this before we can continue to take steps. If you're like, we have signed the lease, we will all become bankrupt if we don't move in together next week. Okay, like I I can have a backup plan for that. But I do agree that like, I, I think waiting to move in together if it is at all possible is what you should do first. The thing that leapt out to me, I think the most was the letter writer calls pretty serious the complaint. I hate the partner B chews with their mouth open. It's so rude and I wish they would stop. I can understand why it feels serious that both of your partners are doing this pretty regularly. And and even after you, you know, on more than one occasion have said, I think you should just talk to the other partner about this. It also, I think, speaks to partner C's uh, state of mind that they feel like that's pretty serious. And mm-hmm. I wonder if that has to do with maybe this letter writer's relationship to conflict with a loved one, which is maybe avoidant low threshold for tolerance there. Um, not, not like, you know, hey, you need to toughen up, buttercup. If you're going to be in a thruple, you got to learn to put <laughs> cigarettes out on your arm. Uh, I don't mean it like that. But like if, t- to me, the idea that you are considering moving in with two partners when you have never had a like sit down, frank conversation where you just said, hey, you both complain about each other to me a lot and I'm fucking sick of it. That suggests to me that maybe um, you're putting the cart before the horse and you have been kind of hoping that you can be in a thruple where you hint, suggest, hope uh, your way through interpersonal problems that in fact just require, I need to talk to you both right now. And it's about this thing. And I need you to both fix it. Um, And if the idea of saying that just feels like I would have to become a different kind of person uh, I would need to like join the French Foreign Legion and travel the world for a hundred <laughs> years and like watch mountains rise and fall before I could imagine myself sitting down both my partners and saying just like frankly and without concern for like massaging their feelings like you're both bitching about each other to me constantly and I hate it and I need you to stop like it, you got to get there you got to be able to do stuff like that you got to be able to demand a throuple meeting because like you've already. And I want to encourage this letter. Like you've already done a lot to, you know, buck convention. You've already uh, pursued mm-hmm. your dreams sufficiently to be in a relationship with two people at the same time. Which, like, you know, that's not nothing. It's a you don't. It's a, it's a little difficult to stumble into a thruple, right? Like you, not that the only people who do it are like iconoclastic uh, road pavers, but like at some point, you know, you stood up and said, I would like this slightly unusual thing, please. So I think you are capable of this. I think it will not be as bad as you fear it will be. But you should have had this conversation with your partners, you know, way before you started talking about moving in together. And you absolutely need to have it now. And you need to just, it needs to be three sentences. Um, This is a big deal. I should have brought this up sooner, but I'm bringing it up now. 
you both do this constantly and it needs to stop. Those are the only three things that you need to communicate. It doesn't have to involve a lot of like ego smoothing or gosh, I'm so sorry. Or like maybe you should consider like this should be straightforward, needs to change, not my job to change it, but it is my job to tell you how much it's bothering me. And I think that could be a really positive step forward for the throuple overall because the way this dynamic is described makes it feel like partner C still sees themselves as outside this uh-huh. like dyad, right? Where you know partner A and part- partner B have their own thing going on, and I came along, and I'm sort of um, in this like awkward third position where I'm being expected to like filter their complaints about each other but i'm also like what am i supposed to be like the ref the neutral third party this that or the other if that's the way the relationship is now yeah like obviously it needs to be like a more like equally integrated group of three people as opposed to partner a partner b having um like a more traditional relationship that they've just kind of like tacked a third person onto, mm-hmm. which is kind of how the problem sounds to me now. Like, you know, even apart from like the, the two people complaining about each other, this just feels very like I'm still stuck on the outside of their dynamic. And that's almost why they f- maybe feel comfortable, uh, like kind of lodging these complaints because they're, they, they can just like trust partner C as this, I don't know, like ancillary character who <laughs> who has to like vault all these secrets. And that's yeah, that that tells me that like this this really hasn't gotten to like the point of integration that maybe would be best before moving in. So yeah, yeah. that would be a positive step. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, my read of that bit about a few months ago, I asked each of my partners not to speak negatively about the other one to me. I read that as I said something to each of them separately. Separately, yeah. um, rather than like, this is an issue that affects all of us. Um, and so that's why I think I was really stressing that this is like the conversation that needs to happen. But it is also clear, letter writer, you have said something. So I don't want to make it sound like you've totally fallen asleep at the wheel. Um, you have tried multiple times to ask each of them uh, to stop doing this. And so I think that's part of why I really, really do want to suggest not moving in together because that to me is not a good sign. Um, if, you know, the individually saying on more than one occasion, talk to the other partner about this and later saying, Hey, I actually want you to stop talking shit about our other partner to me, both resulted in what sounds like zero net change. That also suggests to me that your partners are not listening to you and will maybe say, sure, sure, sure. To get you off their back in the moment and then keep doing what they want which doesn't necessarily make them evil monsters that you have to dump. (laughs) But it is time for you to then go from, you know, mild pushback in the moment, later making a polite one-on-one request to sitting them both down and saying, I'm now mad. Like, we've, we've moved out of polite request territory and I am now mad at you. This is difficult for me to say because, like, you know, letter writer, you say, I'm the least likely to be annoyed with my partner's habits. And my read on that paragraph is like, um, obviously it makes sense. It, it, like introversion, easygoingness might very well be words that describe you and are like accurate 
labels, but I also really don't want you to hold yourself back from necessary like truth telling uh, because you feel like I am an introvert. I am unlikely to be annoyed and therefore, you know, I, I shouldn't have to or I'm not capable of expressing anger or frustration or saying this is now serious enough that I'm considering amending our relationship or possibly breaking up with you both. Um, and so I, I would just say, like, I think you should be annoyed with your partner's habits. Your partner's habits sound annoying um, <laughs> at best. They sound annoying at best and awful at worst. Um, so I I think maybe, like, whether it sounds good to you to go kind of be quietly alone with yourself and think about what does it feel like if I imagine myself saying out loud, I am angry at my partner's for constantly complaining about each other to me and ignoring me when I tell them to stop. And if that just feels like, wow, like I do feel angry, but it also like violates my idea of myself as this like easygoing mediator. And so that scares me. Or the idea of being mad at my partners just scares me on its face. Like that's useful information for you. And I'm not suggesting that you need to go have this conversation with like a couple of pistols and a sheriff's badge on your belt, like walking bow-legged into a saloon and saying like, the law is here. You don't have to suddenly pretend to be like a tough guy um, or, or somebody who's like, you know, ready to like get mad at the drop of a hat. But I think it might actually be really good for you to say, even if it was like very, very quietly and calmly, I am mad at you both. And that's hard for me to tell you. Yeah. And I think this, this level of introversion or I, I don't complain about my partners, you know, when set against these two people who are complaining about each other a lot, it could make them think that this third person is like, the fix for all their problems like right. good thing you're having yeah like like by having this by having this third person like we're getting we're solving all our problems but we're not really thinking about what they need um or how they're going to be brought into this like larger relationship and i think they could be taking partner c for granted in that way um in a couple of ways mm-hmm. um but also just to like even paper over some of the issues that they're not willing to work on with each other as, you know, as described in this letter. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, there's like, there's even a sort of attempt at recuperation towards the end of this letter. Well, I want them to be able to talk to me about important matters in our relationship. But just like this is not an issue of introversion or extroversion, like extroverts don't have to bitch about one partner to another partner in order to process it. (laughs) Uh, You know, uh, like, because that too, I think, is like a way of trying to avoid seeming like you think they're doing something wrong, right? Like you want to pin it on introversion. Like, well, maybe if I were more extroverted, I'd be doing what they're doing. I just happen to be introverted. When it's like extroverted people don't always get into thruples and say, I think partner B is a piece of shit who like eats like a pig. That's not a function of extroversion. That's like bitchy gossip about someone you're apparently about to move in with. And obviously- no, extroverts are too busy partying. Yeah, like obvious. Yeah, exactly. Like a, a true extrovert, if we're going to lean into that, would be like, you know, lifting weights brilliantly in your front yard, inviting everyone over for a party and like, <laughs> you know, taking you all to the opera or something. Like you can be extroverted <laughs> and nice. Uh, so yeah, I guess all of this is just to say that- um, This is not simply something that they can't help and that has to do with the way that they are wired. This is a choice they are making, even though you have told them repeatedly that you don't like it and you want them to stop it. So 
doesn't mean that they are necessarily awful, um, but it does mean that they've been doing it on purpose and it's not good. And you get to be mad about it. Even if you have a hard time feeling angry, um, you get to say this is not good. Um, and I'm not impressed with the two of you for doing this, especially. Not and they should think about journals time. or just like any other thing, like so many other options are available to them besides this. And I really encourage you, letter writer, to say, I cannot move in with the two of you unless I have seen like sustained change on this front that is significant for like months. Um, and to stand firm in that and maybe like process this with a friend or somebody outside your thruple. You know, I know you say you usually like to process things quietly on your own. I think this is at a point where you should bring your friends into it. And again, not so your friends can say dump them both. I don't think you... I don't think that's your only option here. I absolutely could see a version of this relationship where a year from now, they're all you're all able to say, we had this big issue before we moved in together. It took partner C really drawing a line and saying, you've been treating each other and me quite badly and I'm annoyed and angry uh, for us to kind of really figure out that we needed to work on it and do something different. Like, I think that's a real possibility. But uh there's also a very real possibility that they will not get better at it and you will need to break up with them both because this sounds, frankly, if it doesn't change immediately and substantially, I think living with the both of them is going to be a fucking nightmare. <laughs> right? Just constantly getting grabbed in the hallway. Like, can you believe how partner A hangs the toilet paper? What a piece of shit. <laughs> Overhand? Who does that? Yeah. You just you just don't want to be because then then you then you just have roommates, shitty roommates who hate each other. Yeah, <laughs> and and I think I think partner C has also has to think about some of the leverage. There's no thruple without the third person. I was like, going to say like if you say I'm walking over this, I think the two of them will be broken up in a matter of minutes. Yeah, it's 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 not to say that you you have to really play hardball. Per se, but it's like you have some negotiating power here. You got like, leverage. Don't, don't be afraid to use that. Yeah. Yeah. So, to just like straightforwardly answer the final questions, how much of this type of comment should I tolerate? Zero. None. You've made so many requests. It's time to say it's no longer a request and I w- will end this relationship and or not move in together until it changes. Um, that's where I think you should be. How much talking behind a partner's back is normal? I don't know. A little. Not very much, frankly, like yeah, very little, I would say. Like it's normal sometimes for people to complain, but if you are in a thruple with people who want to live together and then they also want to be able to talk about the other with you and not them, I, I would say like that shouldn't be happening very much at all. And so when it becomes a red flag, now, it's a red flag now. And not a red flag like these are necessarily abusers, just a red flag in terms of like, this is going to fucking suck. And why would you do something yeah. that fucking sucks? Just even just even the complaint, the example of the complaint, like um, partner A is keeps playing that pop song. That's not something you need to say behind someone's back. You can say that to someone's face and you could even tease someone about it. I mean, if if I'm playing a song all the time um, that my partner is sick of, she'll just be like, oh, wow, you can't get enough of that song. huh?" Like it, yeah. it's, it's, it's really not um, something that needs to be secretive gossip. Like right. that, that, that itself is like more concerning to me than 
oh, they have a problem with this music choice. Right. And of course, somebody can tease with an edge. But like, ideally, you have the kind of like generally good emotional rapport that like once in a while you can be like, you've got to stop playing that song. And you can both laugh about it. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. It is very weird that all of this like low level stuff that could be addressed so easily if you just said directly to someone, hey, would you mind chewing with your mouth closed? I've never heard anyone hear that and respond any other way than, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Like, and obviously there are always exceptions. I just mean like, that's a very (laughs) common response. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry, I'll work on it is a very common response. And you can kind of count on it and then just deal with it if if the other thing happens. But yeah, so like the fact that they're doing this about such, you know, low grade stuff that you could easily bring up with somebody else is itself not a great sign. So Do you have any suggestions for setting a clear boundary? I feel like I've been talking out of both sides of my mouth because I started off with like, just have the come to Jesus talk with them, be super, super clear. And and I still think that that's worth doing. But what I think the letter writer should bear in mind is it's not that you haven't been clear here. You've been pretty clear. Um, It's that they have listened to you, said, sure, 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 and then kept doing what they wanted to do. And because you care about them and you're maybe a little conflict avoidant, you didn't want to admit that that's what they were doing. You wanted it to be, well, I didn't really try hard enough. So maybe if I just try harder, then they'll do the things they lied about doing. Like, because I I think you can call it a lie if they say, sure, I'll do that. And then they don't. Let's call it a lie. So it's not a question so much of being clearer about what you want from them so much as let me be clear about what I'm going to do next. Mm. Um, since you have not actually done the thing you told me you would do, which is stop. Um, and the thing I'm going to do next is like start turning to my own friends for help and support, not keeping this a secret for you, uh, not moving in with you, and um, considering not being in this relationship at all because there are so many throuples you could be in where no one does that to you and where it's just a beautiful round robin of everyone volunteering to do the dishes and have great sex. Oh, the dream. The dream, right? <laughs> do you have do you do you have any fun anecdotes you want to share the to the to the thruple communities out there? Um or the the various uh uh open relationship uh configurations? Oh gosh. I don't know that I have a, a specific anecdote to this, but I will say um you know, don't sacrifice your own happiness for the unconventional relationship. Uh it's the um what is it? Uh, in The Simpsons, when Marge is like, Homer, you don't have to run away to a freak show just because the opportunity came along. Homer's, you know, Marge, in some ways, you and I are very different people. And I feel I feel there is, um, you know, in, in poly life, in open relationships, there is sometimes this um, momentum or this real urge to get in there, do the non-traditional thing, have a throuple. Um, it's going to be life-changing um, but if it sounds like it's really stressing you out right now, um, so something obviously has to change there. And yeah, don't get into like a three-way relationship for the sake of it and at the expense of your own sanity just because you can. Um, you know, like you just said, there are other throuples you could be in. There are other couples that will want you to be the, their third person. Um, and yeah, you should only get into it on your terms, um, not you know, this other couple's terms that, you know, or seems like they already existed as a, as a pair and have their own issues that frankly, you don't have to deal with if you don't want to. Yeah. I think to like steal a phrase, polyamory is abundant and low value. 
Uh, <laughs> like once you once you kind of like hop on that chip, you will find lots and lots of people who want to. You'll be meet people. You'll meet people in multiple yeah. relationships with you, <laughs> and so it's not like oh, I've got to preserve this one at all costs. Like there are others out there, and you just don't have to put up with this because this sounds just big thumbs down. Thank you for joining us on Big Mood, Little Mood with me, Danny Lavery. Our producer is Phil Circus, who also composed our theme music. Don't miss an episode of the show. Head to slate.com slash mood to sign up to subscribe or hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using right now. Thanks. Also, if you can, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to know what you think. If you want more Big Mood, Little Mood, you should join Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. Members get an extra episode of Big Mood, Little Mood every Friday, and you'll get to hear more advice and conversations with a guest. And as a Slate Plus member, you'll also be supporting the show. Go to slate.com forward slash mood plus to sign up. It's just $1 for your first month. If you'd like me to read your letter on the show, maybe you need a little advice, maybe some big advice, head to slate.com slash mood to find our Big Mood, Little Mood listener question form, or find a link in the description on the platform you're using right now. Thanks for listening.